Welcome to Solve This Murder. I'm your detective, Bill. And I'm your crime scene criminal witnesses, etc., Danny. This is now episode six of our public domain murder mystery, The Mysterious Affair at Styles. And someone has been arrested. <gasps> Who was it again? Dr. Bowerstein, also known as the murderer. No, I have no idea if he's the murderer. Was arrested. I don't know who by or what for, but I was going to his home. His, his not his mm. home because he lives in London. His country residence. No, his temporary lodging. His temporary lodging to ask him some extra questions. I found out that there was a fake beard, so he's not necessarily my first suspect for someone who dressed up like Alfred, as he was previously. However, maybe someone's dressing up like Bowerstein because he has a big <laughs> scrumbly beard. I found out that he is in love with, well, Mary is in love with him, or Mary's having a relationship with him. It's a whole big thing, uh, which I feel like I already knew. Well, I knew they were friends, I suppose. I didn't know that they were going out, and they are. So there's a whole thing there. It adds some extra motive for him to be working together with Mary to murder a woman, to get the inheritance, to kill the fly. Perhaps which she'll die. Which all seems like it would have been a pretty terrible idea, because as we talked about with the will... Despite it being the most confusing oh, thing yes, ever, there this... seems no reason that Mary would get anything out of it under any circumstances, no, all really. No, Will stuff seems very strange. But, hey, that's the situation. What if somebody burned the old Will, wrote a... No, then they wouldn't take the, the new Will with them. What if somebody... I'm still working on my there were two separate plots going on at once theory. What if one person burnt the old Will and then killed her to make sure that the default happens... Meanwhile, somebody else came in, wrote a new will, put it in the purple dispatch case. Then somebody else broke in and saw that new will and was like, oh no, <laughs> Like there could be so many levels to this. But either way, Bowerstein has been arrested and I should go and talk to Monsieur Jap to see if he's the one who did the arresting. That's fair enough. <laughs> so I say, Jap! Now, uh, what was my voice for Jap? Was it something along these lines? Yeah, maybe. I feel like it was higher than I expected. Yeah, because to me, I picture Jap going like, Oh, Mr. Yes. Poirot, what do you think you're doing? Yes. I'm here from Scotland Yard trying to solve this crime, and you're saying that you can solve it with your little Belgian-ness. But, well, I suppose we'll trust you today. That's how but I picture no, it. no, Carl Urban does not play him. <laughs> Fair. Jap, did you arrest Bowerstein? Uh, my men did arrest ba uh, Bowerstein. You're absolutely On right. what charge? Well, espionage, obviously. Wait, what espionage? Oh, because... Flashback out of this conversation. John was like, do you know his nationality? Because he must be a wartime man. And I say, what, is he, is he a wartime man? Well, I don't quite know what that means. What do you mean? But... <laughs> How dare you? Yes, he was German by birth. Has been here for a while. Very covert. But you see, that's why he left his London residence and has been pattering around this area, trying to keep a low profile. But we got him all right. Okay, hold on. Do you have any evidence against this man other than the fact that he is German by birth? Oh, yes, we've been following him for quite some time, probably, I guess. So, like, you have evidence that he's a spy. You didn't just arrest every German man you saw. Well, I'm pretty sure that's legal now anyway, so <laughs> well, yeah, none of your business. Yeah, okay, fair, whatever. But, so you, you, know, what, you think he was a spy for the Kaiser? Absolutely. Why else do you think he wanders around sneakily in the weird hours of the morning? Yeah, that's Information true. gathering. You think he's gathering information? Passing on information to his people. About what? About Mrs. Inglethorpe? I don't know. You're the worst. Can't say. <laughs> Jeff, you're the worst. Apparently, it's just very obvious to all of us now. In the book, is everyone just, is just like, oh, of course. Yes. All right. <laughs> so I should, this is just something I should be like, yeah, of course, it's 1910s. Don't even worry about it. 
Would you like me to read the two specific, or the three specific things that he says about Tell this? Tell me exactly what he says. It did not strike you as peculiar that a famous London doctor should bury himself in a little village like this and should be in the habit of walking about at all hours of the night fully dressed? That's number one. He is, of course, German by birth, though he has practiced so long in this country that nobody thinks of him as anything but an Englishman. He was naturalized about 15 years ago. A very clever man. A Jew, of course. Oh my god. And then, not at all, he is, on the contrary, a patriot. Think what he stands to lose. I admire the man myself. And Hastings leaves that conversation very confused. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Fabulous. Sure. Alright, so, can I talk to him? Or is he out of the picture now? Baustein? Uh, he may show up again later, but no. He's... But he's off. I'm... Jab won't let me just go in and be like, let me ask you some murder questions. Oh no, he's in the high up prison for <sighs> traitors now. Well, I had a whole investigation. I didn't actually have a whole investigation planned, but if I pretend I did, this feels like I don't have to, I, you know, I get the clout. Mm. I had I had questions for him that were going to crack this case wide open. Did you? Well... Damn it. Maybe, maybe it can rain. Don't call Anything? me on this bluff. I have no questions. <laughs> you think, well, can you arrange something? Can I talk to him? Well, no, probably not. But we can find some people with almost his level of expertise in our labs once they're finished doing all of the analyses you ask for. Oh, yeah, where are those analyses? They're getting there. I'll come in at the right moment. Can I just kick back and wait for those? Oh, you know, you know what, though, Poro? I did do some uh, question asking about the strychnine things that you were asking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Sorry, kind... I didn't mean that. I'm not German. Oh. So, the kind that was found in the hospital that you took a look at with the fingerprints all over yeah, it. Yes, so I found a bottle, for people who are catching up, I found a bottle of strychnine medicine that had a fingerprint on it in the hospital where Cynthia works. Yes. What you found in that bottle was pure hydrochloride of strychnine, the powdered Whoa. form, only used very rarely, only in pill form. Very rare. That's why presumably the bottle had gone untouched since these fingerprints were put on it. Most of the time, it's the solution form of dissolved strychnine. Now, does that mean that the bottle was of such a intense purity it could be used easily to kill someone? If you got them to... Drink it? Yes, I suppose so. All right. But there was, you know, medicine still in it. Yeah, okay, fair. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's... Just a little bit to know about strychnine. Sure. And I'm sure you've noticed there is altogether too much strychnine about this case. Yeah, there's like a million strychnines. Mm. She had a whole she was drinking strychnine every day. Somebody else touched a bottle of hydrochlorine whatever salt of strychnine. Somebody else is buying dog killing strychnine levels. There's strychnine everywhere. Mm. All right. Sometime after all this, you end up, as you always do, going back to styles. Having learned whatever you've learned, I guess that Dr. Bowerstein Probably didn't do it. Since yeah, when what? does the espionage person do it? Yeah, it'd be a bit odd to be like, hey, I'm a spy for Germany, but on the side, maybe I'll just yeah, kill an old woman. Mm. Yeah, that won't, that won't attract any attention. <laughs> exactly. And as you think about that, you arrive back at Styles, and this time, because sitting back and waiting for someone to come to you seems to bear fruit a surprising amount, someone does come up to you and insists yes. on a private conversation. Oh, I love this. They seem... A little bit flustered. It's Evie Howard. Hold on a second. Yep. Oh, she was. You haven't seen the, her in a while. No, no, she was the one who left, who quit like a couple, like a week or yeah. two ago. Who is ostensibly the second cousin of Alfred? Who quit after saying like, "Don't trust that bad man. Mm -hmm. Don't you trust Alfred, my second cousin? Mm -hmm. He's a bad man." Okay, that's her voice now. Yeah. So that was her. Yep. That was Evie. Then she rocked up at the inquest as well, didn't she? Yeah, of course. And she was like. 
I'm vindicated. It was Alfred, that bad man. Mm-hmm. I believe is what she said. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, cool, lovely. All right. So when she takes you aside, and the first thing she says is, well, thanks. Thanks a lot for that. Oh, what do you mean? What did I do? You said that he was innocent. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, he's pretty bloody innocent. He's not going to be arrested. What are you? This ridiculous. <sighs> Sorry I trapped you into a voice. Well, you know what? I'm trying to do the right thing here. So, here. And she shoves something into your hands. Strictly. I found it on top of a cabinet. A cabinet? Is that a little cabinet? No, it's a, it's a wardrobe in someone's room. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and she storms out. And what you have what is... What did she give me? Yeah. It's a big brown envelope, the kind that would normally be used for a small package or a lightweight package. So not full packaging, but not thin enough that it would just be a letter. Okay. It's addressed to Mr. Cavendish. First letter, a little bit hard to read in the handwriting. First initial. Definitely looks more like an L than a J, though. Ooh. Okay. I know Poirot loves to get permission to open things. Can I just open this? Oh, it has been opened. (gasps) It is empty. (gasps) However, when you flip it over, what you can see on the back of it is where it came from. Oh, poison laboratory? Not quite. Damn. Costume store. Oh, he's the beard man. Oh, he's the beard man. Lawrence is the beard man. I found the beard. Uh, for people who are just joining us this episode, sure. what are you doing? Go back. This is so strange of you to just join us. But if you are, there was a costume box in the attic of this house, because they love to dress up in costumes, that had a fake beard that I'm assuming looks like Alfred's beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it not just specific, an arbitrary... No, beard. it had like, been specifically cut to be the yeah. shape of his beard. And now I know who ordered it. It was the beard man, presumably Lawrence Cavendish. Now, I think that you should take a moment to maybe do some arrowing of people and movements and what poison ended up where. Oh, my gosh. Because okay. you're about to get a bit of an information influx. Well, let's have a think here of what is going on. First of all... For all you people at home, I know this is incredibly important for you. I'm going to turn the light on in the room that I'm in so I can take better notes. Mm. Now that I can see... Oh, my God, I've got the murderer's name written on this... No. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I do. Maybe it's maybe it's the Alfred I've written, written in giant yeah, How letters. many names have you got on this page? Yeah, true. Ballastine, Alfred, Jap, Evie, Lawrence Cavendish, but Mary and you've John. You've given yourself some pretty <laughs> that's good okay. odds. That's, back, that's everybody. <laughs> Unless it was Will the Gardener's Apprentice. <laughs> or Hale Hastings. <laughs> <laughs> Be an odd start to the series. Okay, I'm going to draw a big line across my page so I have room to, to make some connections here. So what do I know? Well, I have a timeline. Where are you starting this timeline? Well, yeah, I was going to start timeline at four o'clock on the day of the murder, but I suppose I have some time before that. How long before Evie left did Alfred arrive on the scene? How new is this new husband? He, They got married about three months ago, I believe. Okay, so we've got, as a timeline... That probably is a good place to start. About three months ago, Alfred joins. He turns up, he says, I'm Evie's second cousin. Hey, you're a hot old lady. Let's get married. That's his whole shtick. That's his, that's his thing. Cut to maybe two weeks ago. I don't think I'm skipping anything major in between. Oh, wait, wait, what about that letter that was sent to a lawyer? Where was, when was that from? It was just before the marriage. Oh, the one that wasn't sent, the one that the was The one that was desk. written but never sent that said, I'm going to leave everything That was to just before the marriage, yes. All right, so I'm going to say that's sometime after Alfred joins. I'm assuming they didn't marry before he arrived. <laughs> right. Um, unsent letter, which says, give a everything. 
Now, everything comes with many asterisks, apparently. I'm not dealing with these legal asterisks. 1910s wills are very confusing. I don't worry about these legal asterisks. Mm -hmm. They can deal with themselves. Next, we have about two weeks ago. Evie says, Alfred's a butthead. I'm out. Mm -hmm. So next, I've got a few things that happened a day or two before the murder itself. Mm -hmm. One of them, and I can't remember which happened when, so I'm going to double check, but one of them was her missing a dose of her medicine. Mm -hmm. One was her running out of medicine. Mm -hmm. Running out of pa strychnine powder. That was two days before. Strychnine them. powder, bromine no, powder. No, sorry, bromine powder, the one that was helping her sleep. Yep. So she ran out of powder two days ago. Yes. Or two days before the before oh, the murder. Yeah, sorry. And it was the night before the murder that she went out in, on the town? Yep. Okay, so let's go. So the next thing is two days before murder, out of bromine. Now, I believe possibly the missing, she may have run out early because someone took some of that bromine powder as... To, to get Cynthia to be too asleep. Yeah, it definitely seems like she doesn't keep perfect track of how much bromine no. she's supposed to have. So on the day before, this is not the you've deceived me no. will sign. That's the day off. Mm -hmm. So day before, Hastings and... No. Oh, I thought he went off to... They went all to Cynthia's place. No, that, that was on the stuff. Tuesday, the day of the murder. Oh, that was the day of the murder. When did she refuse to go see Cynthia? That was the day of the murder? She didn't refuse, but yes. So what happened the day before? The day before, there were just big events on town. She's a big person. She runs lots of societies. So there was some big event on in town. She and Cynthia was there too, went out to do things. And in the massive excitement, she had to give a big speech and things like that. That was when she forgot to take her strychnine medicine. Uh -huh. Two other things happened on Monday that we know about so far. One, sometime unknown, a mouse ate through her bell cord. Oh, that was the bell cord. I'd forgotten about the bell cord. And the other thing was at around 6pm on that Monday evening, someone ostensibly dressed as Alfred Inglethorpe went to the chemist the to buy some report. strychnine. This is good. This is giving me some timeline. All right, that's the day before. Mm -hmm. Day of. That was when Hastings and the Cavendishes went to go visit... Cynthia in town. Yep. So we've got... Hastings in the Cavendishes. Did Mrs. Ingle go partly, partly with... Yeah, she dropped him off or picked him up or something. So they head off to town to see Cynthia. Mm -hmm. That must be early in the afternoon, maybe like around lunchtime. Because she has to have an argument with Oh, yeah, with the Mary arguments are all to come. Yeah. Okay, so let's say lunch. Yeah, it starts to get a little vague about what time they all get back. Yeah, that's fine. So they're all, they're all out. And while they're out, do we see... Does Dorcas overhear the argument between Alfred and Mrs. Inglethorpe? Yes. So I've got here, I can now tie this into the other timeline I've written already. Nice. So four o'clock, we get the argument. Mm-hmm. Dorcas overhears Which is, you've argument. deceived me. Rah, 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 rah. Right? Yep. 4.30, Gardner Will witnesses the will, the will being the will signed that Will signed. Yep. <laughs> um, so she's now changed her will. She's had an argument with her husband, and then she's immediately gone and written up a new will. Keeping in mind that Alfred denies that this happened. Alfred denies this happened. He's a fool. So it's like, we had an argument. Oh, you, what exactly did Dorcas overhear? How sure am I that Alfred was having that argument? Well, you've got Dorcas's word for it that she's quite sure. Hmm. Maybe there's another Alfred. How good is Evie's Alfred impression? No. Um, so Alfred has the argument. She says, you've deceived me. Then she says to the gardeners, go get me a will kit. You might have noted also that 
in that argument, you've got a lot of quotes from Mrs. Inglethorpe, not many Nothing quotes from, from Alfred all, all because he was Alfred. mumbly. Yeah. So that may not have been Alfred. Ooh. Who else could have deceived her? Who was there? Were they out, at t- out in the town at this time? Was Hastings and everybody away? No. They were back. Apparently. So it could have been anybody in the house. But probably a mumbly dude. Probably a mumbly dude. But it could have been... It could have been bloody uh, uh, Lawrence. Yeah, it's true. I think you know Cavendish. what. I'm pretty sure it specifically mentions that Evie has a like ro- is robust. She probably has a robust voice. It could have been voice. Evie. It could have been Cavendish's. It could have been Hastings. Mm. Someone has deceived her. Don't know who. Then she goes to rewrite her will at four thirty. At five o'clock, I have the quote: "Everything has changed." Does she say that to Dorcas? Dorcas has come in to give her some tea, and she says, "Everything has changed, Dorcas." And lots of stuff both times about scandals with husbands and wives, right? Yes, something about scandal. What if someone's a bigamist? What if she's a secret bigamist? What happened to her first husband? What if he's not Good dead? Good question. <laughs> what, if, what if she thought he was dead and he's not? Now it turns out she's not actually married to Alfred. That'd be funny. <laughs> but I think I may be going too far and clutching at non-existent straws. I don't think it ever tells me uh, what happened. Yeah, says that on dying, he left the place to her for her lifetime. Ah, that's where it comes from. He left the place to her for her lifetime, as well as the larger part of his income? Wills are weird. Wills are weird, everybody. So that means that the kids, if they kill her, get the house. I mean, yeah, apparently. Oh, man, everybody's got a motive. uh, I was going to assume everybody's got a motive when it comes to the will. I'm just assuming once she dies, money goes everywhere. So she says then, everything has changed. Now, at 5.15, somebody, uh, Annie, I believe, overheard Mary arguing with... Yeah, so as soon as Dorcas was leaving, after seeing this, everything has changed, and Mrs. Inglethorpe staring at a piece of paper, Mary walked in, and then immediately seems to have gotten into a little bit of a tiff as well. Yes, and she says, let me see it, let Mm -hmm. me see it. But she also denies that. Does she not? She's being cagey. She doesn't deny that it happened exactly. She's She's... being a bit of a cage. Mm. Oh my gosh, okay. Then, the next thing I have is two hours later, somebody puts, oh, Annie takes the rum and cocoa, mm-hmm. puts it unattended for 45 minutes on a table That's where right. anybody can get to it. Then at eight o'clock, she gives that to Mrs. Inglethorpe and says, there was some bloody poison on it and I brushed it away. Yep. Or probably she said salt, but I'm thinking poison. But then when it was tested, didn't have any poison Did in not it. Have and any it seems like a bad vector for poison. Yes. She also, at eight o'clock, everybody had coffee. Mm-hmm. Now, down in the coffee den, people were drinking coffee. Cynthia, she had a coffee that then the cup went missing. It was recently found by Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting that tested because I think it has sleeping potion in it. Yep. <laughs> I hope everybody doesn't mind them calling the sleeping potion. <laughs> She's now potioned up. Alfred, I mean, the, the, chain of, the chain of custody of this coffee. Baffling. Annie made it, but then Alfred poured it, but then Cynthia took it. And even that is not specified in the book. It just makes sense to me. And then my next action happens at bloody 5 a.m. Well, maybe at 4 a.m. When, or 4.30, when, when, Sin- when Mary says, I'm up, I get up, and I hear a cronk. Which you found doubtful. That you heard the cronk. Yes. Yeah. And then at 5 a.m., that's the first seizing. Mm-hmm. They arrive, Lawrence, John, Hastings, try and get in, doors locked, go through Alfred's room, doors locked. Go through Cynthia's room, doors locked. Yeah, which all Go- came about because apparently Mrs. Inglethorpe rang her bell, so the servants were She alerted. was ringing the bell, which Killer thought was broken. She was ringing the bell. They tried all the doors. They were like, these are all locked. 
therefore they must be barred from the inside, smash through Alfred's door, which was barred from the inside, because maybe she'd be having a fight with Alfred, I don't know. They then attend to her, she has her seizure. At this point, I believe somebody surreptitiously bolts the door of Cynthia's room from the inside to say like, it was bolted all this time, when actually that was the entryway for the killer. She has her convulsions, she starts to calm down. Bowerstein has arrived, because he was out walking at 5am, being a spy for Germany. Looking around, being like, oh, Blitz. No, wait, this is World War I. There's no Blitz. Um, <laughs> here's a good landing site for our glorious troops. The Kaiser will be so pleased with me. I've been here for 15 years. No one even thinks of me as a German man anymore. The perfect cover to do patriotic deception. So he's wandering around being a creep. He runs in to help. She calms down a little bit. What happens after that first convulsion? Very little. She seems better. Then she seizes up, calls out for Alfred, dies. And uh, that's that. Hmm. A couple of days later, there's an inquest. And then right now, Poirot solves the crime. <gasps> no, I get nothing. I think now might be a good time for some lab results to come in for you. Oh, thank gosh. I need those results. All right, let's go through again. What things were sent off to the lab? Cynthia's cup. It comes back with traces of narcotic in it. Oh, Cynthia was drugged. Notice how, a ba- how I'm bad with evidence, right? You hear what Danny said. She said there were traces of narcotic in the cup. I have written <laughs> she definitely was drugged. That's bad evidence work. I have a degree in forensics, by the way, everybody. I don't know if you knew that, given how bad I am at this game. That's bad. You shouldn't say that. What I should have written was her cup had traces of narcotics in it. That's all I know. I can't say, I can't give as a fact. If I was an expert witness, I could not say that she was drugged. All I can say is there were traces of narcotics in the cup. Just pointing out this is bad note-taking, but this is a game. You see, there's a difference between games and real life. Um, games How many episodes do you want this to be, Billy? Sorry, I apologise. Um, okay, Cynthia was drugged. <laughs> I also gave in her cup, the rum cup. The cocoa one? The cocoa cup. It comes back with traces of narcotics. Oh, why did I ever think this? Someone drugged her so she would stay asleep. Oh my gosh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Coco was sleeping potion. That's a technical term. If you do forensics, you understand that sleeping potion is a, is a ter- technical term that was, that was stolen by fantasy media. So, <laughs> just saying. Now, so the cocoa was a sleeping potion. <laughs> this opens up more avenues than you might realize, because what your experts can tell you now is that narcotics can slow the effects oh, of poisons. Oh, no! Okay, so now I asked the, ask the experts, if she had been given a lethal dose of strychnine at a similar time to the cocoa, could this have slowed the effects until 5 a.m.? Yes. Oh, yeah, back to the coffee, baby. Okay, so the coffee could have been... That, I'm, oh, my God, murder mysteries. So the coffee, the coffee is now back in the mix as the strychnine delivery device. But I can't check her cup because her cup was crushed. I sent the blotting paper. You did send the blotting paper. To see if it has some remnants of what was blotted beneath it. So this was from the most recent will, the one that was made at around 4.30, the day of the murder. Yes, at one point when the gardeners were signing the will, it was covered up so they couldn't see the contents of the will, and it was covered with blotting paper. Blotting paper, which Danny is now about to ex- explain to me what, what was on there. Quite simply, from what you can see, it was a will leaving everything to Alfred. Okay, hold on. 
which you can only speculate is because she did not understand how the whole getting married nullifying wills issue worked. No, she did. Because the deception was that she was not married to Alfred. It was all something bigamist made their marriage invalid. She was like, this changes everything. I still love you, but you're not going to get anything in my will. So I need to rewrite a will. She had already tried to pass everything off to Alfred, but then didn't send the letter for some reason to the lawyer. Maybe it's because she was like, oh, we're married, so I don't need to write this. But then she found out they weren't married. Everything had changed. She had to write a new will saying I give everything to Alfred. There is also the possibility that she is just a little bit confused. But then I wouldn't, I don't know, I'm a little confused. Because like that will, even if she didn't send off that will to her lawyer, the one from a couple of months ago, it still would have been valid. Is some new person Alfred? I don't know. Did the first one say I leave everything to my husband and then the new one says I leave everything to Alfred? Like I tell you, there is no weird wording of anything. It is just strange. And the only explanation seems to be she was a little bit confused about how the whole thing worked. I'm so confused. (laughs) There's no reason that she should have written a will for Alfred, then gotten married for Alfred so that things defaulted to Alfred, and then wrote a will to Alfred. (laughs) Legitimately, Ah! there will be a policeman still to come who says, I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this happened. (laughs) So we're just going to have to hand wave this slightly. (laughs) I think I think Poirot got to this point of the the thing, then went back in time and killed her for all these wills. (laughs) Okay, so, 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 so. Good on your lab. I now know Cynthia was drugged with narcotics, and so was Mrs. Inglethorpe. She was drugged in a way that meant that she could have been given the strychnine in her coffee, which is the perfect strychnine delivery system. Doesn't explain why there was coffee on the floor by the window. Unless it was somebody else, like, there with her. Like, these aren't poisoned. Look, I'll drink it too. Pour, pour, (laughs) pour onto the ground. I don't know. Doesn't explain the weird candle grease, except the candle grease was by the door to Cynthia's. I'm assuming that was someone closing Cynthia's, like, rebarring Cynthia's door or coming in as Cynthia, like, through Cynthia's door when while Cynthia and Mrs. Inglethorpe were sleeping to search for the will with a candle that you would need to rummage. That's what that candle grease is. That's explained. Don't know who it was, but that's what it was. So now you seem to be on the track of someone did poison her drink or whatever earlier. Someone else came to rummage in, or the same person came to rummage Maybe in? Maybe the same person did the who did the rummaging. Though I keep jumping back to, I wonder if there's multiple things going on here. Like one person's doing the will rummaging, the other person's murdering for no reason, the other person like there's like a couple of murder plots going on. Hence the couple of versions of getting the strychnine and the mm. couple of you know whatever, whatever, whatever. Like one person poisoned her strychnine medicine, but she didn't die because she missed that day's poisoning. Cynthia took her out and she didn't take that poison. Things like that, you know? Yes, the, the, I, I get it. The, the way you worded that made it sound like they poisoned it on Monday and then when she didn't take it, the poison went off and didn't work on Tuesday. They poisoned the poison yep. to make it more poisonous. They took a vessel with a pestle and they put a pellet of poison <laughs> in it. So the pellet with the poison's in the vessel with the yeah. pestle. Do you, at this stage, have any names? Who do you think is doing this? <laughs> I don't know. So we've got a lot of a lot of stuff going on, but the motive is still shaky outside of just shaky money. Someone deceived her, but I now don't think it was Alfred. Lawrence bought a fake beard. Let me Lawrence find these. Lawrence is looking is is not smelling so <laughs> sweet. I gotta say, but he's smelling so unsweet that he probably didn't do it. 
<laughs> That's how these murder mysteries work. So why don't you go through the people? Okay. Hastings. Didn't do it. He's Hastings. I don't need to look at the evidence against Hastings. He's my friend. He didn't do the murder. Rookie error. Cynthia. I think she was a patsy in this whole thing. She was literally drugged so that people could go through her room and use it for access. I or don't think she did if the there were two crimes, at least one of yeah, them. Yeah, the, one of the murders she wasn't responsible for. <laughs> Maybe she put Strickland in somewhere. Mrs. Inglethorpe, she's the victim. Alfred Inglethorpe, I don't think he did the murder. He enjoys living in luxury, and this house is hers while she's alive. I don't think it passes to him. I think if he murdered her, even if he gets money, he has to throw away his lifestyle. I think he likes this lifestyle. I don't think he's going to murder her. Plus, he's a bit too obvious in terms of all the weird stuff. I don't think he did the murder. Maybe he was cheating on her with the woman down at Rake's farm. He was there, but he was there. He has an alibi for most of that evening as to where he was. I don't think Alfred did the murder. I don't think he did either of the murders. I think he's just hanging out being a guy. That leaves us with Lawrence, Mary and John. And Evie. And Evie. She wasn't there, but, you know. I mean, look. She's a character. If we're going to get into that. And Annie and Dorcas. Good point. And, and Will. Um, and Will. And, uh, and, uh, Doctor, and, and, uh, Wells. Mr. Wells. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The other doctor who helped out. Good point, good point. That's too many people. So I'm, um, maybe I'll add Evie to the list. I don't know. Now, Lawrence is a bit weird. Lawrence was trying to downplay the murder. He has a fake beard as if he was pretending to be Alfred and go off and buy a bunch of strychnine. He has some medical knowledge that he could use to, to understand that narcotics could delay the onset of strychnine. He knew where to find that coffee cup, but then why would he give it to me if it proved that he was a murderer? That goes a little bit to his favour. He could have just not found the coffee cup. One thing that's interesting is one coffee cup was crushed, but the other was just hidden, implying, again, maybe two different people. The person who did the drugging and tried to cover it up is not the same person who did the poisoning and tried to cover it up because <laughs> they, they were covered up in such different ways. Interesting. I think the poison covering up was done during the treatment of her seizure. I think whoever was in that room knocked the cup to the ground, ground it under their foot so it couldn't be tested, while then, and then barred the door and all that jazz. Who was in the room? Lawrence was in the room? Yeah. Hastings and John. Was Mary in the room or she stayed out comforting Cynthia? Trying to wake up Cynthia. I think they go end up in the room, though. Okay. And Bowerstein, eventually. And Bowerstein. Mary and Bowerstein? They're an item. Bowerstein's a German spy. All right, so do you think Lawrence did it? We're still on Lawrence. I don't know. Lawrence has so much suspicious stuff going on. Don't Motive, know. Motive, anything like that? I don't ever feel like everybody has... I don't feel like anybody has an exceptional motive. Mm, fair. Unless I could find out who it was who's deceived her, if it wasn't Alfred. But I don't know if there's an easy way to do that. Why was Dorcas sure that it was Alfred? Did she say she saw him? No. Okay, just from the feel of it. From the feel, possibly from context of some of the things that she heard said. What else True. did she hear said? I see my duty clearly. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> you wrote some interesting choice quotes. I'm going <laughs> to walk my brain back to Dorcas Town. What, what did she say about this argument? What Dorcas overheard was Mrs. Inglethorpe saying, You have lied to me and deceived me. How dare you? I have kept you and clothed you and fed you. You owe everything to me. And this is how you repay me by bringing disgrace upon our name. Nothing that you can say will make any difference. I see my duty clearly. My mind is made up. You need not think that any fear of publicity or scandal between husband and wife will deter me. That's interesting. So what does she mention? I have clothed you and kept you. That's someone who lives here, right? It could be Alfred, but it could be one of the children. It could even be Cynthia. 
right? Because it is, these are all people who are living here and living under her roof. But moving forward, you've brought disgrace to our name? Something about that wording to me implies they share a name. It's the Inglethorpe name that someone is bringing disgrace to. Shared by both Mrs. Inglethorpe and whoever they're talking to. Rules out Cynthia. Or, of course, she could be saying Cavendish as well, because that was her name. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it could be the, it could be the Cavendishes as well. So we're looking at either Alfred Inglethorpe, it's Mary Cavendish, John Cavendish, Lawrence Cavendish. And then she says, I'll expose this. And no amount of scandal between husband and wife. Now, it may not be that it's a scandal between them. She's not saying me exposing you will be the scandal, but if I expose you, you'll expose some scandal. Or it, it is in it implies some scandal. Maybe it's someone... What scandal are they exposing? Then she goes to write a will that just says my husband gets everything. Maybe she thought, because she never sent that old will, that everything was going to the children. And so she wrote this to say nothing goes to my children because she's mad at the children. You do recall that the will that she wrote about a year ago... Was everything goes to my children. Everything goes to John, specifically. Lawrence only got stuff from the last will. Why would you rewrite your will to give everything to, to Alfred... Unless you are explicitly saying, I don't want to be giving stuff to John. He was the one who was in what she thought was her will. She has an argument with a random person, says, we share, like, we, we're related, it's a whole big thing, you're trying to cause a scandal. Then she gets in a huff and rewrites a will that to her, in her mind, is, John gets nothing now, it all goes to Alfred instead. That feels like she, was, she, she, must, she must have been arguing with John. Hmm. So she's just had this huge argument with John, and John has some weird friends, says Mary. Mm, mm, John's got some pretty mean friends, like, like Denby. No, not Denby. Remember Denby? <laughs> Remember there's a guy called Denby in this oh, mystery? Denby. Bloody Denby. <laughs> and he then goes and he kills her? Does he burn up the will? What kind of aspect? Like, John hasn't had the bit unless he's controlling over his... I don't know how timid Lawrence actually is. We just gave him a timid voice, but mm. maybe John is like, Lawrence, go get me a fake beer so I can pretend to be Alfred and do this crime. Or maybe jo John was the one. I mean, I, I assumed Lawrence was the one. Lawrence looks like he's getting all the strychnine because I think he dressed up like Alfred and I'm pretty sure he lagged behind and, uh, in Cynthia's lab as well and touched the strychnine mm. bottle. Every, everybody did it. Everybody did it. I've solved it. It was everyone. <laughs> well, just as you brush your hands and come to that conclusion. Yep. What, what new fun thing happens? One of the police that has been occasionally coming through to do search of the house comes through and he says, so we found a couple of things and they hold up a little, what do you call them? The teeny tiny jar things that you would open. A teeny tiny plastic vial. Probably not plastic in the 1910s. Would have been. No, pretty okay, glass Danny. vial that seems to have traces of powder in it. It looks like it may have once contained some sort of medicine. And a pair of fancy-looking fake glasses. For the Alfred costume. I say. We found these in John's room. hidden in the back of, of the winter undergarments drawer of John's room. Of John's room. <gasps> John's room. John Cavendish, you are under arrest. Solve This Murder is created by Bill Sunderland and Danny Siller as part of the Consume This Media Network. To find out more about all of our shows, you can head to consumethismedia.com. If you want to try your hand at solving this murder yourself, send your current theory in to solvethismurderpod at gmail.com and you may end up on our wall of detectives. A special thank you to Jared, Devon and Wit from the podcast Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts for creating our theme music. 
and thanks to all of you for listening.